But now in this valley of humiliation, poor Christian was hard put to it. For he had gone but a little way before he espied a foul fiend coming over the field to meet with him. His name was Apollyon. Then did Christian begin to be afraid and to cast in his mind whether to go back or to stand his ground. But he considered again that he had no armor for his back and therefore thought that to turn the back to him might give him greater advantage with ease to pierce him with his darts. Therefore he resolved to venture and stand his ground. For thought he, had I no more in my eye than the saving of my life, it would be the best way to stand. So he went on, and Apollyon met him. Now the monster was hideous to behold. He was clothed with scales like a fish, and they are his pride. He had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, and out of his belly came fire and smoke. And his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. When he was come up to Christian, he beheld him with a disdainful countenance, and thus began to question with him. That's from the Pilgrim's Progress, folks. The reason I read that excerpt from it today is because there's mention of Apollyon. John Bunyan in the prison there at Bedford, he wrote of Apollyon, this evil enemy of Christian. We're going to read about Apollyon now, and we're going to find out where it was that Bunyan got his name from. We're reading, please, if you want to use your Bible or if you want to follow from the screen, it's Revelation chapter 9. And we're coming to the fifth trumpet today, to the first of the three woes. You see, there's three trumpets to go, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. And it says that there's three woes at the end of chapter 8. Woe, woe, woe. Verse 13 of chapter 8. So here's the first woe, this fifth angel sounds. And it's in Revelation 9 and verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. So there's a lot of talk there about smoke, isn't there? Smoke comes up out of this pit, this bottomless pit, a pit of hell, a lot of smoke coming out of it. You know what this speaks of? Delusion and deception. You ever hear of smoking mirrors or a smoke screen? Something that's there to delude and deceive. Something that's there to distract your attention away from something else. 
Good folks, it's speaking here of deception. The smoke from the pit of hell. The smoke that blocks out the light of the sun. It's very dark here in Revelation 9. There's a lot of smoke about. A lot of deception about. A lot of lies about. This is describing what's happening during the Great Tribulation. In fact, it's sort of coming toward the end of the Great Tribulation. All the Christians are away now. Oh, they, they're long gone. The trumpet has sounded. Christ has raptured his church there in, in heaven. The Christians aren't going through the Great Tribulation. This is, this is describing what it will be like for those who are left behind. An awful picture of of hell being opened and smoke rising up out of the pit. There's going to be an awful deception in the coming day. Delusion. Insanity. Madness. Mind you, there's a right bit of it around today, isn't there? Fair bit of smoke around today. Fair bit of deception. Delusions and lies and propaganda. You know what I find very sad about it all? There's a whole lot of Christians who are believing it. Swallowing it. Hook, line and sinker. The smoke has deceived them and deluded them. One of the greatest needs today in the Christian church is for discernment. To be able to see through the devil's lies. To be able to see through the smoke. Lord, fill me with your spirit. So that I'll I'll see through the enemy's deceptions and trickery and delusions. Oh God, give me discernment. We're going to read on, please. We're at verse 4. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the ships of the locusts were like unto the horses, like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, of many horses running to, the, to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. 
And their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. So there's where Bunyan got his name from in the Pilgrim's Progress. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. The word Apollyon literally means destroyer. One who destroys. And we have read today about this fifth trumpet sounding. And the, the angel blows the fifth trumpet. And this first woe falls upon the inhabitants of planet earth. All those who have rejected Christ and his gospel. And for them it's forever too late. They're doomed. They're never ever going to be in the Sunday morning service again or Sunday evening for that matter. They're never going to get a gospel tract. Never going to listen to a gospel CD. They'll never see an open air preacher preaching Christ crucified ever again. Never going to be able to go onto YouTube or Sermon Audio and listen to the gospel. Too late. All that awaits those who are left behind is eternity in the bottomless pit with this king of the bottomless pit, Apollyon, the destroyer. The devil, that's who it is, Satan. We were teaching the children in the Bible class last Sunday morning, John 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That is what Satan does. That's what he's into. That's his aim. It's to destroy the bodies of people and ultimately their souls, body and soul in hell. He wants to take them to the bottomless pit because that's where he is headed. He's the destroyer. But I want to tell you good folks this Sunday morning about the one who destroyed the destroyer. Hallelujah, I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, our wonderful Savior, the one we're worshiping today. I hope you know him in a personal way. And according to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, it tells us there how he destroyed the destroyer. Hebrews 2, 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hallelujah for the one who has destroyed the destroyer. The Lord Jesus, he became one of us and we're very near now, folks, to another Advent season. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. As we begin the countdown to Christmas and as we begin to think about the coming of one into the world... 
to save us. But he had to take a human body to himself and a body was prepared for him. Hallelujah. And he lived a sinless life in that body. Something that we, we could never do. But he did it. And then he went. And all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in that holy body that had been prepared for him by the Spirit. That sinless body. And he went to the cross. And in his own body he bare our sins on the tree. That he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Boy, I tell you, a lot of people today are filled with the fear of death. And they're in bondage. But Jesus delivers from the fear of death. He delivers from bondage. Has he delivered you? Oh, he can. I can't. But he can. Septa can't. But he can. You'll enjoy our testimony tonight, I've no doubt. And we're praying that there'll be people in the meeting who are in bondage. Who need to be delivered from the fear of death. And hallelujah, Christ can deliver them. That's what we're longing for. We're longing that this church would become a hospital for sinners. For we don't want it to be a museum for saints. We want it to be filled with people who are at rock bottom. Because when you're at rock bottom, hallelujah, you find the rock at the bottom. The rock Christ Jesus. Good to be standing on the rock today, isn't it? A lot of people hiding under a rock. Oh, I'd rather be standing on the rock. Uh, Hallelujah, he has destroyed him that had the power of death. Apollyon's destroyed. Glory to the Lamb. We're told in 1 John chapter 3. About uh, the Lord Jesus and the purpose for which he came into the world tells us for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. There is again reference to to destroying the devil. The destroyer being destroyed. Prince Emmanuel has defeated him. Hallelujah. The destroyer has been destroyed. Let's remember that today, good folks, Christian brothers and sisters. It's good to be reminded of it today. We're following the one who has destroyed the enemy. We've won the victory. We're we're fighting from victory, not for victory. Hallelujah. Victory, victory, blessed blood-bought victory as Jehovah liveth.
Strength divine he giveth unto those who know him victory all the time. Apollyon is the king of the bottomless abyss. If you go back there to Revelation 9, let's just focus for a few moments at the end of the service on this place. It's an awful place, you know, this place that's described for us here. You know, these verses are among the most fearful verses in the Bible because they describe this terrible place, this bottomless pit called hell. And I tell you, folks, we want this church to be a rescue shop within a yard of hell, don't we? Some like to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. But I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That was the words of Charles Studd, the great cricketer. A lot of talk about cricket lately and that racism in Yorkshire. Funny how the boy who was accusing everybody else of racism was guilty of the racism. The boy who was saying that, oh, he appeared. He had been called names by white people. Then turns out he had called Jewish people names. He had been anti-Semitic, used racist language toward Jews. Funny how the tables turned on him. Talk about a hypocrite. But of course the mainstream media will, will brush that under the carpet. Because nobody's bothered about racism toward Jews. Apparently, but there's been a lot of talk about cricket and in cricketing circles. But there was the great cricketer, the world at his feet. But he gave it all up to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell, and he went to the ends of the earth to reach those in darkness with the glorious gospel. C.T. Studd. And there are people in heaven today who are, who are glad, oh so glad that he did. This awful place called hell, the bottomless pit in Greek, it's the abyss. There's a key to this place. I want you to notice that, a key. Verse 1 of Revelation 9. To him was given the key of the bottomless pit. You see, you have the picture here of a star falling. This is the devil, obviously, because Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 10, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And so the devil falls and he's cast out of heaven and he comes to the earth. You see, the devil's not in hell today. He's roaming about the earth, walking to and fro like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be careful he doesn't devour you and take you to hell forever. But it tells us here that to the devil was given a key. And it's the key of the bottomless pit. Key to hell. Ah, but here's the question. Who gave him the key? Where did he get the key from? 
He got it from the risen Lord of glory. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus. How do I know that? Well, when you go back to the first chapter of Revelation, here's what you read in verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Notice this. And have the keys of hell and of death. The one who rose from the dead and left that tomb in Jerusalem all those years ago and it's empty. Praise the Lord, it's vacant today. Because he lives. We can face tomorrow and we can face today and we can face yesterday. But it's him that has the key of hell. And here in chapter 9, he loans it to the devil. It's given to him. See, the old devil's at the feet of Christ. Carring there before the eternal son. Please, can I have the key? Oh, Lord, please give me the key of hell. Just picture it. You can just imagine it. You can almost hear him. And the sovereign Lord of glory permits the enemy to have the key. And of course a key is to open. It's for opening, isn't it? And so the, the devil gets the key and off he goes to hell, to the bottomless pit. And he opens it. And we're given a description here of this place. Verse 2, he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And there came out of the smoke, verse 3, locusts upon the earth. And the picture here is of these demons, because that's what the locusts represent. These are not literal locusts now. These locusts, Represent demons, evil spirits that are loosed from hell and invade the earth. This is what is going to happen during the Great Tribulation when all the blood washed Christians are away home to heaven, enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb, getting ready for the coming of the Lord to the earth and the millennium and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. But they're preparing for that and looking forward to it. But this is what's happening on the earth. You see, it is hell on earth now. All hell has broke loose on planet earth. And all the demons who lived in hell, who dwelt in the caverns of the damned, have been released. And they make a beeline for the little planet called earth. I tell you, I wouldn't like to be there when they arrive. All these locusts. It gives a description of what will happen when they arrive on earth. And the torments that will be suffered by those who rejected the Christ of God who hung on Calvary's cross and was tormented and suffered in agonies. 
that they might be saved and shed his blood, but they would have none of it. And he has given them over to their desires. You've rejected me. You've said, I will not have this man to rule over me. Here you go. This is what you have chosen. You know, it tells us here that hell is a deep place. So it says it's a bottomless pit. The word bottomless gives us our word abyss. The idea here is of a very deep chasm. The word literally means a, a well, a well. It's like a well that you can't even measure the depth of it. It's so deep. Satan opens the key here of the pit and he is literally opening the shaft that leads into hell itself. Science denies hell. Sinners deny it. Human reason denies it. But there is a place called hell. Hell is just as real as earth. It's a deep place. You know, on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus went down into a very deep place, didn't he? For three hours there in the darkness, it was just God the Father and God the Son, and there was a great transaction taking place. And Psalm 130 reminds us, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee. The Holy Lamb of God, folks, was down in the depths of hell, as it were, for those three hours, experiencing the agonies of a lost soul, separated from God forever. Don't ask me to explain how he, he managed it in three hours, but he did. He took your hell and he took mine. Now there's no reason for any of us to go to hell. Oh, hell is a deep place, but oh, Calvary, think about the depths that our Savior sunk to in order to deliver us from this deep place. It's a dark place too. Talks about the smoke here. We're told that the smoke ascends out of the pit and the smoke obliterates the light of the sun. Planet Earth becomes a very dark place here at this particular period in time at the end of the Great Tribulation. It is, you could say, it's hell on Earth. The darkness, there's a little taste here of the outer darkness of hell, isn't there? The darkness of that place. You know, Calvary was a very dark place, wasn't it? Didn't the hymn writer speak of dark Calvary? Three hours of darkness. Why do you think Jesus went through it? To save you and me from eternal darkness. 
He's quite a saviour, isn't he? It's a deep place, it's a dark place. It's a disturbing place. A very disturbing place. When you think of the description in Luke chapter 16 of the bottomless pit and the rich man he was clothed in purple and fine linen boy he lived it up every day all that mattered to him was the here and now don't talk to me about heaven and hell don't talk to me about eternity don't talk to me about the hereafter I just want to have a good time now All I'm interested in is life in the here and now. But I tell you, whenever he died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes, then he was interested in the hereafter. He wasn't too bothered about about life on earth then. Wasn't too bothered about his purple and fine linen. And how he fared sumptuously every day. He had arrived in that disturbing place. A place of flame, of fire, of torment. A place from which there's no escape. No way out. No exits. Wasn't it the poet who wrote, Abandon hope all ye who enter here? That's what happens when a soul goes down into the bottomless pit. They abandon all hope. But you're not in the bottomless pit yet. Service is nearly over. Going to pronounce the benediction very shortly. We're still in the day of grace. You can be saved and your loved ones can be saved. Ah, sure, maybe you'd pick up the phone this afternoon and invite somebody to the meeting, would you? Maybe you'd call with somebody. Maybe you'd send a wee text message someday. Maybe you'd like to come tonight, hear about a saviour who could save you from hell. Somebody who can give you hope. There's not much hope about today, is there really? Everywhere I go, I see hopeless faces. Sadness and gloominess and fear. They need hope. And we've got hope. And we're going to hear tonight about one who can give hope. The hope of Israel, they call him. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven.